0: The Grizzden Podcast 2021 Offseason is presented by Walker Financial Management. John Morant is an NBA superstar in the engine of the Grizzlies offense, but he would be the first to tell you it takes consistent support from teammates, coaches, trainers, and advisors for him to be the most successful on and off the court. In the same way, small business owners are the engines of their companies and wear lots of hats. Walker Financial Management exists to support owners of small to medium-sized businesses, specifically in regards to bookkeeping. They offer customizable solutions like transaction categorization, monthly financial statement preparation, accounts receivable, and payable management, payroll, CFO services, and more. If you or someone you know is spending too much time, money, or stress on bookkeeping, find peace of mind by, by visiting www walkerfm.com to schedule a free consultation with a certified bookkeeping professional today. Again, that's www.walkerfm.com
1: Before we jump in, I just wanted to say on the front end, there are a few technical difficulties throughout. You'll hear some some weird uh, pauses or sentences getting cut off, but don't worry, there was not a ton of content that was lost from these technical difficulties, and I tried to patch together what I could, um, but I hope you enjoy the emergency pod. Welcome to an emergency pod edition of the Grizz Den podcast. I'm here with Ty Smith. Brantley is on the road right now um from Grenada, Mississippi. And he we're going to try to to get him to call in a little bit later. See if that will work. We had some technical difficulties on the front end, but um we have a trade to report, Ty. Indeed. Indeed we do. There were some rumors. This is recording Monday at 5 o'clock. There were some rumors yesterday about Eric Bledsoe, a deal involving Eric Bledsoe in the 17th pick um, that we would move up basically to get the New Orleans 10th pick in return for taking on Eric Bledsoe, Bledsoe's contract. Uh, and because New Orleans was reportedly trying to open up some cap space for a big move, whether that's to... You know, retain Lonzo Ball or Lowry. Sign Kyle Lowry, which most Lowry. people uh, assume was the case. Instead, we had a woge bomb drop about an hour ago, and here were the terms of the trade. Memphis is finalizing a trade to send Jonas Valanciunas and the 2021 number 17 and 51 picks to New Orleans for Stephen Adams. Eric Bledsoe picks number 10 and 40 this year as well as a top 10 protected pick next year that they have from the Lakers. Ty, when this trade came through, what was your first reaction?
0: Ooh. I mean, I, it was kind of just like my body froze. So did my brain. Um, honestly, I when I saw Steven Adams... When I saw Jonas, I think, was the first name mentioned in the Woz tweet. So before even reading the rest of the tweet, I didn't think New Orleans was involved. I thought Jonas was going somewhere else for another pick, like in the lottery or whatnot. Not really sure. But, yeah. Anyway, kept reading the tweet, and honestly... The first thought, the primary thought, I think, is getting 10. I think is the biggest thing to take away. And I think the second biggest thing to take away is getting 40. Um, But to the point, the primary objective is to find, and the Grizzlies have talked about this for such a long time, finding the third piece, right? Right. Small market Memphis. um, Free agency is not going to be a thing for us. It's going to be really difficult unless, you know, three or four years from now, Jaws 25, Jaren's 25, and they've both, like, hit their ceilings. And someone in their, like, late 20s, early 30s wants to come try to, like, win a title in Memphis if they, like, reach their, you know, utmost potential. That maybe could be a destination, but right now it's definitely not. So we are having to work on the margins, like we've talked about a lot, to try to find a third piece. At 17 pick 17, you're much less likely to find that piece than you are at 10. I think our objective is to kind of find the guy who we think can be the third fiddle next to John Jarrett moving forward, and I think the best way in our minds, and I kind of agree with it, is to getting to 10. That being said, a lot of people have already put out that we may not not be done even moving up in the draft. So like we, we may not settle for 10. We may try to look to move up more than that. Maybe me and will can kind of speculate on that later. um, And Brantley, if he can get on here, but I think the first thought is getting into the lottery. Not only that, technically getting into the top 10 in a draft that's apparently really loaded. Um, And there's a lot of guys. I'll list some names in a second after you kind of give your take of guys that we think could be like potentially the third, the third guy on this, on this Grizz kind of, Next-gen moving forward. And we didn't give up a ton, in my opinion. I know that Jonas was a really good player for us in the regular season. He had a, a good game or two, some minutes in, in the Utah series, but Bledsoe's not great. Um, contract, that is, as a player, I don't know if he's as bad as what people think he is. I'm not saying he's a good player, but I don't. if you're going to start him as your starting point guard, play him 35 minutes a night, that's not a good situation if he's coming off the bench, whatnot. But, again, even that. like, That's the tricky thing about podcasting now is there's so much we don't know because Bledsoe has already been rumored by Chris Haynes, who's a very reputable source, to basically be like, Bledsoe's probably not going to be in Memphis. So There's a lot we don't know yet, but I think the big key is we have 10 and 40, and we had 17 and 51.
1: The first thing I thought when I saw the trade come through was, number one, man, JV had become such a uh, a cornerstone of this team in the past, even just just year uh, and change. I mean, he had he was our go to scorer uh, when times were tough. When Ja, because Ja, I mean, that's the thing about him is you know he dropped you know forty plus points multiple times this past season, so he can score when he had to. But JV was the primary. Uh, go-to scorer when times were tough and so losing that is is real and we have to recognize that i mean we're this essentially is means that jaron jackson is going to have to really step up on the interior because steven adams is not a guy that's going to be your primary you're not going to run a play for steven adams he's going to be um your cleanup crew down low he's going to be the guy who's going to get offensive boards he's going to clean up Uh, plays. He does not stretch the floor as much as JV, um, although a lot has been made of JV quote-unquote stretching the floor uh, today. And I think Grizzlies fans know that, you know, I wouldn't call him a stretch five. Let's just say that. Uh, The first thing I thought of, though, when the trade came through was uh, the Grizzlies have not budged from the timeline that they set a couple of years ago when they drafted John Morant, which was, we're going to take the long view here we're not gonna rush anything, even though this team is ahead of schedule. We are still in asset accumulation mode. And yet at the same time, you know, what does it look like? What here I think New Orleans and Memphis are incredible comparisons side by side. The contrast between the two. And we happen to be the two teams in the trade this year. And we've compared New Orleans and Memphis a ton. Yes. So it's crazy. Zion Williamson and John Morant, top two picks a couple years ago in the draft. Um basically Replacing the franchise cornerstones that have been at each franchise for so long, New Orleans, Anthony Davis, uh, being replaced, and Mike Conley, you know, Tony Allen, Zebo, Marcus All in Memphis. These two generational talents come in, and yet on the New Orleans side, while you had a great deal of assets in your tool belt to build, you still also had Brandon Ingram, who's now going to be on a max deal. You had Drew Holiday, who you ended up trading for more assets, so there you go. But basically, this opening up cap space right now in this move means that New Orleans has to put their foot on the gas pedal because reports have come out about Zion maybe not being so happy right now. And yet, the Grizzlies are still in this position, which we'll see how long that lasts. There's going to be a tension at some point, however... The important pick, as you said, Ty, in this is this trade, the cornerstone piece, in my opinion, the best asset that was exchanged is the number ten pick, and that's where you have the opportunity.
0: Yeah, it just opens up, like yeah, like we've already talked about, it, it opens up the possibility to get the third guy. I'm not saying we're going to do that; it could definitely not work out that way. But it's a it's a higher percentage at ten than it is at seventeen. And to your point, it's kind of like yeah. I mean, I would say that New Orleans is on a They were probably more down the line in their rebuild than than we were, for sure. Um, Like, they were ahead of us timeline-wise. Success-wise, it's crazy that they were nowhere close. Yes. Um, They didn't even make the play-in this year, which is insane. And we beat out Golden State with Steph and the Spurs. Popovich, apparently the greatest coach of all time. Not if you ask Olympic people. Um, Beat both of those guys out. Uh, to get the last play in won a game on the road game one against utah which is crazy and they yeah they were nowhere close to sniffing that and it's really interesting how they are basically like oh my gosh we have to speed this thing like they're going lowry, they're wanting to get lowry like that's a known thing a lot of people have mentioned that they're trying to clear space to go get him or put up the assets and the space whether that's a sign and trade with Lonzo and a seventeen and some other future picks, I don't really know. They're trying to clear the space to get him in there. So Can I they give you are, a hot take, Ty, real quick. Let's hear it. It might it might be warm. Oh, you said this but earlier. It might be hot. Yeah, this is hot. This is real hot for next
1: year and the year after that. I think I might rather lock up Lonzo Ball long term than have Kyle Lowry on an outsized contract based on his past performance. Yeah, at thirty. Late 30s. Yeah. I think he's like 35, 36, maybe.
0: Not, I might yeah. be wrong on you that, actually. That up, I want to fact
1: check myself. But so that's
0: an interesting thing to give up Lonzo, who's like 23 um, and has gotten better every single year. 35. Yeah, for Kyle Lowry. And I'm not saying they're going to give up Lonzo, but you would think that ha- they can't sign him to the deal that he's going to want um, right. to open up enough space for Lowry. But it's just two different it's just two different mindsets it's two different outlooks on how to build and timeline of building like Memphis is still clearly in asset accumulation mode and they're willing to take on maybe some bad salary to do so even though we made the 8 seed last year like you would think that the roles would be flipped in the fact that we got a little taste of it and we're like man we may be better than we think job may be better than we think right now um, maybe we should be the ones trying to clear space for someone or whatnot i 'm not really sure what we may do with what 's going on that 's another tricky part of talking about it now is we just don 't know yet, but yep we still we took on bad money. even Steven Adams is bad money. He is seventeen million this coming season and basically eighteen the next. Jonas was gonna be fifteen this year and sixteen next or fourteen this year and fifteen next. Um, uh, let me let me double check. Either way, uh, Stephen Adams is going to be 3 to 4 million per year more than Jonas. Their contract as far as timeline is the exact same. They both have two more years so they have this coming season and next season, both of them are signed through that year, 2022-2023. Um so the length of the contract is the same. We would just owe we are going to owe Stephen Adams more money.
1: So actually, Jonas was going to be an expiring this upcoming year. So fourteen million. Then he's off the books for twenty two.
0: Really? Yes. Okay. So then we took on a an extra year Stephen Adams. Okay. The Bledsoe thing. So again, there's already rumors that he's going to get moved. Um, maybe salary matching, and he's a shorter deal than maybe another bad per se value contract so a lot of people are like well what this was my thought I was like what could we move blood so for like already he was tough to get off of right like obviously people didn't want his contract he's a negative value contract again not saying he's a negative player I'm not saying he's a great player but I think as like a bench player I think he would be pretty solid um but his contract just the the um Value of the contract versus the value of what you're getting on the court do not do not line up. And there's a lot of players like that in the league. Read you the last four years of draft
1: picks at number ten.
0: Let's do it. I can't wait to hear this. Okay.
1: Twenty seventeen. Zach Collins eh. to the Kings technically, then he went to the Blazers. Not not a great start. Although you could argue he would be he would have been potentially a starter on a Playoff team with Portland. Yeah,
0: if his uh, his health has been his health biggest has concern. been the biggest. He showed some promise early. Uh, Twenty eighteen, McKill Bridges, good solid role player. Wouldn't call him your third fiddle to a contending team just yet. You don't know that in the future. But Although, the ceiling solid. is very high. Super solid.
1: Uh, Twenty nineteen. Let me pull it up here actually, just to double, triple. Check myself and yes, number 10 to the Atlanta Hawks, Cam Reddish in 2019. Love that. And then 2020 last year was the stinker. Jalen Smith
0: to the Suns. Yeah, but when that pick happened, everyone was like, wait, what are they doing? It's true. Because Halliburton was sitting there at 10 and they didn't take him.
1: It was bad. Um, all I'm saying is out of the four picks in the last four years, what you saw to me at least. Were uh were swings for guys that could very well be starters on playoff teams, and McKelber just was yep. a starter on a finals team. Um, and then Cam Reddish is a guy who was falling down the draft board, similar to a guy you could see like Kaminga this year, maybe totally. being the Cam Reddish type. Yeah. So and Great and point. when you put that next to the seventeenth pick, I'm not going to necessarily roll through the seventeenth picks in the past few years, but it's a much higher success rate um but so that's a big deal moving up into the top 10 especially in a draft like this um is going to be big and since we're kind of focusing on that asset that we got back let's talk about the guys that we've been reported totally. to be looking yep. into
0: so someone kind of laid it out on twitter uh parker fleming did um shout at, out friend of the pod yeah s the sb nation grizzlies grizzly bear blues um great work paka faca anyway so he kind of put it all in one little great uh, little segment tweet here. Uh, so these are the guys that Grizzlies have recently been linked to after this trade had happened, which I thought was interesting. Um, so like Jonathan Gavoni had mentioned that we did a private workout with Moses Moody last week. He, did, mm-hmm. he had never said that before today, right? But anyway, Josh Giddey. Um, we'll go into more detail after I'll him. Josh Giddy, Moses Moody, Franz Wagner, Jonathan Kaminga, which is kind of crazy. Maybe it to ten. And then James Booknight. So we'll start from the top, we'll kind of work our way down. We'll both kind of speak on each one and Let's what do it. makes them interesting or whatnot. And if we think that we'll have to trade up to get them, I think
1: would yeah. be another point to yes. hit on.
0: Um so Josh Giddy is some people think he's a top five player in the draft. Some people think he's a top ten player in the draft. Most everyone thinks he's like a top ten, definitely a lottery talent. Mm-hmm. Um, he won't be nineteen until like the start of the season, which is insane. He's still eighteen years old. Um, Australian, Australian. His accent is phenomenal. Go, go, listen to him talk. It's great. Him and him and Stephen Adams on a team would be just so great. Great accents. Um, so I can't say a lot about him right now like i could some other guys because i never viewed him as being a possibility because i knew he was going to go a lot higher than 17 um because he's been rumored to be like 8 9 10 even like the warriors at seven have been like really connected to him um anyway 6 9 like lead ball handler who played in the australian league um the shot isn't quite there Yet, his form I don't think is terrible. I'm not sure what his free throw percentage was, but I know his three-point percentage wasn't, like, great. I think it was, like, 30-ish percent, something like that. But basically, for his Australian League team, I think he played on the same 70% team, free throw. 70% of the line, that's fine. Um, he was, like, lead ball handler, initiator, big-time pick-and-roll playmaker on his Australian national team. I have never heard this said anywhere, so this is kind of an original take, which probably means it's not right, (laughs) but I kind of see him as like, we talk about a poor man, so-and-so, I kind of view him as like a poor man's LaMelo. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he doesn't get like a ton of hype like LaMelo did. He's not going two overall like LaMelo did, or LaMelo went three, I guess, three overall like LaMelo did, but if you think of a tall lead ball handler who has great vision, really good ball handling skills, super long, but his shot is not all the way there, that's exactly what people were saying about LaMelo last year. His flaws were like, can he ever develop a shot like off the dribble and stuff like that? Um, apparently, Giddy played in a game like a exhibition game in Las Vegas against Nigeria a few weeks ago for the Olympics, and apparently, like a ton of NBA um, kind of scouts and decision makers, who he was thought to be. And he was playing against NBA-level talent. Like, Nigeria has, I mean, several Precious Achuas on that team. He got drafted they beat pretty the high USA. last year. They did. They did. So, Nigeria is not, like, just a bunch of scrubs. They have a lot of NBA talent on their team. And Giddy, like, showed out, apparently. I didn't, like, watch the game, but apparently he, like, had a really good showing. Um, so, I think that gives that secondary ball hand. There's another guy I follow on Twitter. Is really good in the NBA. His name's is Nakias Duncan. You should go listen and read his stuff, too. Um, but he's basically like he tweeted when giddy was rumored like having that second creator next to Ja in giddy would be like a huge win for the Grizz so I'll let you I your think
1: thoughts. that he reminds me a lot of Kyle Anderson from just his uh, purely the way he contributes to the game uh, he just like Kyle he his shot is kind of the question but um, I think he is young enough to where you bet on the upside there. And also with if you listen to our trades and free agency podcast, we went through the priorities for this team. Like where are the biggest holes and the number one uh, need we said was secondary playmaking next to John Morant, because Kyle Anderson truly was our secondary playmaker and he is best when he is like Kyle's best when he's more of the slasher and has a, uh, a low usage rate, but is facilitating for others. And Giddy seems like that on steroids because he's been the guy on his team before. And I think that that could be, that could fill a really big need for the Grizzlies. And it would be on the timeline of John Jaren as well.
0: Yeah. And that's like you said on steroids. So that's the beauty of Giddy is that he's doing this at high usage, which is like really important. Like the ball is in his hands and he's like making things happen. Like, and he's, if you watch his highlights, He's the big like drives baseline, does this whip around pass that you're like, how did he see that guy? Like he's a lot of like his passing is legendary, like super, super good passing.
1: It's cool, too, because if you watch his highlights as well, you can you can tell or you you think that he's moving. Not slow, that's the wrong word, but it's very smooth. I'll say that. Yeah, at his own pace, pace, but he also covers so much ground because he's that tall. He's long. So he, to me, and defensively, I think that that could also be an area of improvement um, for him, and I think that would make Jaren's role yet again more important as a guy who, if he is able to funnel, uh, you know, because there's a lot of small forwards in the NBA that are the lead guys on their team. So you you might have to get creative there. And that's what Justice, for instance, was going to bring was that defensive versatility and Giddy might be uh like uh he he'll definitely bring a lot more than Justice on the offensive end, which is not saying a yes. whole lot, but he would be sacrificing he'll have a little bit defensively. Defensive. Yeah, is- and honestly, we should pause here for just a minute on our list and just say that this trade It all but guarantees that Justice Winslow will not be on the Grizzlies roster. They have to decline his team option in order to stay under the cap in this scenario. And so um, we had mentioned on this podcast that apart from a trade or anything else happening that Justice was going to be on the, on the team as an asset of a contract. Well, um, here's the scenario where uh, that, does not happen because essentially you used his space you used that asset quote unquote of his contract that you could uh opt out of in order to facilitate this so yeah justice winslow uh thanks but no thanks
0: yeah we gave it a run we gave it a go didn't work out i love that our front office is Mature enough to be like, yep, didn't work the way we wanted it to. We're going to move on now. We took a swing, didn't work, that's okay, we're on to the next. Instead of being like, no, this will work, this is our guy, we're sticking to it, we're picking up his option. Even worse, we're declining it and extending him to a longer deal. We didn't do that. We saw the value for what it was, and we moved on from it. And that was the beauty of this, the Winslow deal in the first place. It was like, we're not tied to anything. And this proved that. And last year was
1: the only year that you'd necessarily had, quote-unquote, dead money on your books, and look what the Grizzlies did. They made
0: the playoffs when they shouldn't have. Um, So anyway, all right, let's go to the next guy. So next guy, um, just going in order here, is Moses Moody. Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas guy, also one of the younger players in the draft. I think he is 19, though, but still a really young dude um, as far as the draft goes. Um, Played one year at Arkansas. I think it was like the SEC freshman, like freshman of the year, freshman player of the year, whatever they call that in the SEC. Um, I believe he averaged, again, I don't have stats pulled up in front of me, but this is a guy I've kind of looked into a little bit because um, a lot of range has him anywhere from like 8, nine, ten 10 to even like 15, 16. Um, I don't think he was going to hit us at 17, but the word on Moody is that he is just like, basically his floor is really high. He is going to be a productive 3 and D player in the NBA for a long time. He's, He's going to have a
1: career. 6'6", six, six, 200 pounds, average 17 points, 6 rebounds. and shot
0: like 37% from three on decent volume. I think he shot over 100 threes this year in college, which is pretty impressive. Yep. Um, so to shoot that well with 100 threes as a freshman in college and very, very high high school recruit, big-time recruit. Um, yeah, and he his wingspan is also like 7 feet. It's like insane, his wingspan. Um, he fits the mold for the, for the Grizz. Like you talked about Mikkel Bridges, like this is kind of that, that pick right here. Um, maybe the upside isn't crazy high. You don't really see him as being like this superstar self creator, like a Paul George type, but you definitely see him as being a very high level three and D guy who is going to hit all the knockdown threes, the setup threes. He's going to hit all of them. He's going to play pretty good defense. A little bit of room for creation, too, because he's just still so young. Um, but the floor is just super high. Not high, Not not sure about the ceiling, but we never know that anyway. All these draft right. experts be like, this guy's this. You don't know. And he's still young enough to completely grow into something else.
1: And in this day and age, uh, wings that can shoot are the premium asset because um, size is something that uh, you are always going to be looking for in a prospect, and especially if you're the Grizzlies, you have a surplus of shooting guards that are slightly undersized in terms of, um, you know, this day and age. And so you have Desmond Bain; obviously, he makes up for it with his sharp shooting. You have Grayson Allen, also makes up for it with shooting, and you have De'Anthony Melton, who can do a lot of things. And so you're not looking necessarily for a guard that is under a certain height to me like under 65 64 is about the minimum and you're i think Moses Moody fits that right like we said secondary playmaking and he also has this shooting role as well and he's been the lead guy on a team so um totally. he's taken a lot of responsibility on and it's cool to see that the Grizzlies have actually worked him
0: out already yeah so So that we did a private workout with him i think over the weekend maybe um so it was recent yeah so we probably knew we were going to 10 um so another name to keep an eye on so third on the list is franz wagner for all you southern people it looks like (laughs) franz wagner (laughs) he's german though so it's franz wagner um so this i think is the guy who we would hit a home run i think this is the guy we probably want the most i agree um, 6'10", 6'11", apparently. He's like grown an itch. Um, so he has a brother in the NBA, Mo Wagner. Just don't even, the fact that they're siblings is the only connection that they have. They don't play similar games at all. Not even the same position. Completely different players. So this guy played at Michigan. Michigan has been a top 10 program in the last few years. This past year, he was a huge reason. Um, apparently one of the best defenders in the draft. Crazy versatile. Uh, really big, really long, also really good with his feet, good hands, can pretty much defend probably one through four. I don't know how well that is, but a, a really good defender, crazy versatile defender. Offense is not like a super polished game. He can just kind of do a little bit of everything. I think he can shoot okay, like spot up shots, but he's not going to be a guy you just like throw it to and let him go try to create a shot. He's probably a really good cutter. Um, standstill shooter, jump shooter, stuff like that. But I don't think he's going to be, like, a wing creator as much, at least not now. Um, but I think he's also pretty young. But I think he's 20. Is that right? He played two seasons at Michigan, so I would think Michigan. he's about 20 years old, yeah. Okay, I can, I can look that up here in a second. Um, actually, let me just do it now. Uh, so Franz Wagner is... I'll just
1: speak on him while you're
0: looking that up. He's uh, 19 still, actually. No, oh, 19. He's still a kid. Can. He's 6'9", 220. Apparently, he's grown. So, this past year at Michigan, he averaged 13. But, yeah. So, the ringer, I love their shades of stuff. Um, so, their shades of for, for Wagner is Lamar Odom, which is really interesting. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, which is really interesting. And even more interesting, the last one is Xavier Tillman. <laughs> That's I awesome. think just because of defensive versatility is yeah. the reason why. Not the same um, position. But good spot-up shooter. Offense is just kind of complimentary, but defense can do just a ton.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that uh, has a couple years of experience in college. He is not – that's the thing. He To me, he, he reminds me a lot of Moody but added defense because they're two guys that you're not going to um, – they're not going to just fly off the screen. When you're watching them like they're just two guys that do a lot of things correctly very consistently and I think that's what you need next to a guy you have the flash with jaw uh, and you have the kind of still pretty raw game with Jaron, and you need a guy who's going to make the correct decisions when you when he's fed the ball on the wing and needs to because that's where your game that's where the offense originates. Um, unless it's job ja with a pick and roll. If Jaw swings it to the wing, you want a guy who's gonna you're going to be confident and can either make a play or can distribute. And then on the other end, that's, as I've already said, such an important position to be able to defend. So Wagner would be a great reason to trade up if he were to fall to us.
0: Yep, next guy, start going a little bit quicker because I don't really know a ton about these guys, at least on mine. Jonathan Kaminga. Um, preseason, uh, so he actually, um, changed his grade status, whatever that means. So basically he wasn't reclassified. Yeah. He reclassified. There we go. Um, he was by far the number one guy in the class below him and he reclassified to this year's draft and he's been top five forever. Um, the biggest, probably upside swing in the entire draft. His ceiling is like multi-time all-star, like just freak of nature, your go-to wing scorer who can also defend the other team's best wing perimeter player. I mean, I go. of course, this is nuts to say, but think, like, Kawhi. Again, he's, m- like, most likely not going to become that because there's only, like, a handful there's of Kawhis one throughout Kawhi. history, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. But that idea is his, like, absolute upside if he hits on all— Just a lockdown guy. Yeah, if he hits in every— projection of his he's just a stud both offensively and defensively his floor apparently is pretty low um he could be not very good i don't really know uh that's been the word on him but he played in the g league this year so if you want to watch some more go watch some g league stuff um but as far as like athlete he's like the prototypical wing nba players like 6'8 225 he's also only 18 um can jump out of the gym stroke looks good get to the rim like he's just really impressive physically but the worry is like mentally he's not there like his basketball IQ is pretty low his effort may be pretty low he honestly doesn't seem like a Grizzlies kind of pick but who knows
1: it's true he he was the one guy that actually so I think KOC was the one who sent out the tweet that the Grizzlies might be interested in moving up um, in this draft even more than they already have and the two guys he included in the tweet were. Jonathan Kaminga and James Booknight, who I think Booknight's another guy we might get to in a second here, but Kaminga was the one, like you said, he jumped out as you know, wow, that you know, he's been on top five boards uh, for since the beginning, starting to slip just a little bit, but I agree with you, it doesn't feel like that guy who's um, where when all else fails, you know that the effort's going to be there. I think that's a common thread of the guys that we've drafted with this particular regime has been just kind of like high uh, work ethic type of players. And so I'm not saying that I'll be disappointed if we end up getting him and he falls all the way to 10. it means that most had been picked before him. So we'll see. I mean, he, he is the one with the most question marks and I think it's so hilarious too, just this is a side note with just draft talk how literally none of these players have played a game since the start of this kind of draft season and yet how much movement there is just from literally word of mouth like and and it, some of it has to do with the reporting from teams as the intel grows I mean you want to be as accurate as possible when you're mock draft but that's always something that I laughed at as the guys yeah. that just absolutely start to fall or absolutely start to rise uh, when they haven't actually, per, you know, there's no other games to reference besides the ones that have already happened. Yeah. And yet, just the conjecture is what causes yes. them to rise and so fall. so I saw that
0: too. <laughs> Apparently, like, these one-on-one workouts and stuff have really started to influence, like, GMs and stuff like that because you, you don't have a ton of tape. Right. Like, Kaminga played a few games in the G League bubble, and that's it. Yep. Like, that's because hasn't really played a lot of other stuff. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. It seems like that we're – I think a good thing to remember of as far as the draft goes is we are clearly still in, like, rebuilding phase. So, it wouldn't shock me if we took, like, a big upswing kind of pick because we're in that position to do so. We're not in the position – clearly, our front office doesn't view – is like win now. We're not gonna like lose on purpose or whatnot. Like we're gonna try to win every game we can. But we're also trying to make future focused moves, and this deal proves that. So I wouldn't shock me if we t- if a Kaminga falls, even though there's a lot of question marks. It wouldn't shock me if we took a guy like that. And let's be honest,
1: the Grizzlies basically have their their starting five already locked in although the only question mark would be if you start Adam Adams next to Jaron, or yeah. do you bring in let's say a Bane at the 2 yeah. and then shift Kyle down to the 4 that would be but all all that to say teams like let's say Detroit you know Cleveland the guys the teams at the top of the draft they're looking for a starter that can you can slot in right now like we can even keep in mind this could be we're drafting you know a 6th or 7th man for this next season that you hope can one day be a starter. But the good thing is that we are an organization, a situation for these guys where they're going to have the time to develop. And we're still in for the long term with whoever we draft here, which is great. We don't need, you know, we have team needs, but we don't need need them right now
0: to be successful. And it's crazy to also think about this is the least asset heavy draft that the Grizzlies are involved in. We have three first-round picks next year. We have two the or one in twenty twenty-three, but then two in twenty twenty-four. As of now, right. So we continually have the assets, the assets, the assets to potentially make. And that's, I think that's a really cool thing about the draft. Is later in the draft, I think it's easier to make the safe picks. And that's what we've done. We took Bain, who's a pretty safe pick. A lot of people's like, I don't know what his ceiling is. We already know he's a really valuable player to have off your bench, if not a starter, who knows? Tillman's the exact same thing. Tillman will have a 10-year career. We know that already, right? Brandon Clark is probably pretty similar. We know he will be on an NBA roster for a long time. We have yet to take a big swing with this new front office. We look to be setting up to do something like that by moving up to 10. I'll just mention quickly the last guy is James Booknight, who I do definitely do not think will be there at 10. The word is that like five six like he's not gonna make it past six with Oklahoma City, um, he may go higher, which I don't know about that, but apparently like a and even like Golden State at seven, apparently like they really like him too, a little bit more polished, um, like great on offense, just really good on offense, can basically do everything he wants on the floor. Apparently didn't shoot it well from three, but he shot an eighty percentage ish from the free throw line his two years at UConn, six five kind of guard um just offensively he's the man uh defensively probably not really there um again doesn't really seem like a grizzlies pick but who knows um honestly i probably wouldn't be that excited if we just moved up to 10 to get book night um my my big two guys are wagner for sure giddy i think would be super interesting and i guess if if kaminga fell to 10 i could get really excited about it no moody for you Moody too. Um yeah, I think Moody would be great. I kind of forgot about him. Um he'd be great too and I think he will be there. I could definitely see Moody being there at 10. Yeah. I
1: think I think Wagner, Moody and Giddy are the three. Yeah. Um Let's talk about now though the reports about, you know, the Grizzlies might not be done. They might even pursue uh a move up further. Uh, and let's go through really quick who the top ten are now in the draft. So number one, you have Houston. Or excuse me, Detroit. Number two, you have Houston. Three, Cleveland. Four, Toronto. Five, Orlando. Six, OKC. Seven, Golden State. Eight, Orlando again. And then nine, right ahead of you, you have Sacramento. So Ty, if the Grizzlies were to pursue a move to move like upward in this draft. Who are those teams that you feel like would be the most likely to move back?
0: Um I think it so if I think Golden State is the team to look out for especially if they can't land Beal. Um if they if if Washington goes Wiseman 7 and 14, it's done. Like that's that's what Golden State's going to do. If Golden State can't do that, I could see them like cuz they're not going to draft Duarte at 7 cuz the value is just not great, right? So I could see them being like if we offered, I don't know, Kyle Anderson and 10 and maybe something else, I don't really know, for seven, um, I don't know what all that would look like. But, again, I could see them maybe thinking about that as far as moving up a few picks. I'm really interested in not necessarily – keep. so I'm interested in keeping 10 but trying to find another pick in the first round hmm. with either – so we have the Lakers pick already. Obviously, that's next, year, next year, We don't yep. have it this year. Um, the Lakers are picking 22-ish, right? Something like that?
1: This year. Uh, Apparently, they have shopped,
0: They have shopped Kuzma and KCP like crazy. I don't know what this would look like, but if we did, like, just to make the salaries match and send back Bledsoe and something else to get to the Lakers' pick this year, so we would essentially have 10-22... And 40 again I don't know what that would look like they would probably have to send us again for that to happen we'd have, we'd have to probably have to take on like more money than that right I don't really know what it would look like but I'm really and maybe send out another for, I don't really know but I'm really curious at that too about using what we have already even like Golden State doing like I don't know. It's Kyle Anderson, something to get 14. I just, again, I don't know. And like Kyle Anderson's not alone going to get us like 14, like not even close. I don't really know what the deal is. But I think if we don't move up, I could still see us trying to somehow get at the back end of the first round with other moves too. I just don't know what that is. It's just so tricky. Because if we move Bledsoe, the thought is like he's a bad contract. People don't want that contract on their books. So one thing, I'll just throw out this. Probably won't happen. But one thing we mentioned is like Buddy Heald in Sacramento. Sacramento is apparently wanting to kind of move off long-term money, maybe getting a player back. So I don't know if they would do like Bledsoe and 10 for like 9 and Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald is probably a better player than Bledsoe, but also his deal is like three years longer. Um, so that ties up Sacramento pretty heavily in about 22 to 23 million moving forward. I don't even know if the Grizzlies would want to do Uh, that just for one move up, right? Just trying to think of scenarios of what that would look like, and I can't, I don't really see them right now, but apparently Bledsoe is going to get moved, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, I'll be super interested to see who the suitors for that are because if the Grizzlies follow their um, pattern of asset accumulation, to me, that would, moving off of Bledsoe, would you want to be as equal value as possible? Although his contract is so negative value. I don't know how you move off of it without sending another asset. And I'm not saying that I I think it's a really healthy reminder for Grizzlies fans because a lot of times we see first round pick, you know, like in a tweet or something like that. And all first round picks are not created equal. And I think it's really important to recognize, for instance, this Utah pick is one of the most talked about assets that the Grizzlies have next year, and you know what would you, um, what's the what would the package be to where you would include the Utah pick versus not? And guys, like Utah to next year is going to be really good again, and there's a really great chance that that pick is like twenty five or after. And so I think keeping that in mind, I am not so married to the Utah pick as a lot of others are, especially now that we have this Lakers pick. I think the Lakers pick is going to be better than the Utah Maybe pick so. next year. Yeah. And so if that, I don't know what the Grizzlies are thinking. Um, I would be willing to uh, include a Utah pick in a, sending Eric Bledsoe on uh, somewhere else. Although at the same time, like you're, you're right at the cap right now with the contracts you have. Yep. And his his contract next year is just a partial guarantee. So it's a really similar situation to what we had yeah. with um, like Dion Waiters, for instance. Yeah. Although Bledsoe is a guy that can actually play. uh, The Chris Haynes reporting is usually pretty spot on and he is the one that yeah. said that they would probably be moving on from Bledsoe. So I'm super interested to see what that would be like. There's not a lot of teams that cap space, uh, San Antonio, New York, uh, OKC, like those are the main ones. Yeah that I can think, and I don't know what they would want besides assets.
0: Right, so. and we've already made our, like, taking on money to get assets move. Like, we can't do that again. So right. we can't package, like, 40 and something to, like, take on a bad contract and get a higher pay. Like, we can't do that anymore. No. I wonder, like, if a guy that we love falls to, like, 31-32, because um, I think Minnesota, or, or sorry, Milwaukee's 31 um and then maybe okc is pick 32 and we're at 40 right now so i don't know what it would look like if we package like 40 in the utah pick to move up to like 30 or what that looks like i don't yeah. really know if we package like the utah and 40 to move up again to the first round we give another first round pick and then give a pretty decently early second like i don't know what that would look like i just don't know but we can't like take on a bad contract to get the asset because that's what we just did so that right that whole thing is over It'll
1: be fascinating to see, and it could be by the time this pod is out, we have something else that has happened. So forgive us if that is the case. It's 5.50 p.m. now uh, here. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, overall, I would say the evaluation of the trade to me is that the um, the results are not going to be ones that we're going to be able to completely react uh To right now, which is, I mean, the trades, when a trade happens in the NBA, typically it's either a team getting a superstar, not a superstar, but like a star player for a ton of assets, or it's something like this where it's relatively equal value and the team has very specific reasons for doing it. And I think that for us right now, the result of the trade is going to be purely based on who we take with the 10th pick and if we hit. And then for New Orleans, it's going to be what do they do with that cap space? Do they end up winning the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes or do they have they sacrificed this 10th pick who could have been, you know, fill in the blank for a chance that didn't end up happening. And so I think you're going to actually see the fruit of this trade and we'll be able to more fully react in three days. Or, yeah. to, or, or and change because of the free agency yeah. period with New Orleans but
0: and i will yeah. say consolidation now is all but guaranteed consolidation has to happen before the next draft because we have three first round picks next draft we cannot keep all the players that we currently have under the contract and i know like Kyle will be up Grayson will be up but I tie us too tie us two so there's three guys right there that will be up. Another, those are three names to really keep in mind when it comes to trade stuff as well. Maybe not during the summer, but during the season, because we can't make, we can't draft three guys and keep those three. We're running out of roster spots already, so I think consolidation is going to probably come sooner than later. I don't know if it's this summer, I don't know if it's this draft, but I think that's something to keep in mind on moving forward, especially, like, trade deadline stuff. Kyle Anderson, a lot of teams would really want him for, like, a playoff push or whatnot. Um, just something to keep in mind.
1: Um, can't what, wait
0: to see who we draft. I know. Like, Thursday can't come soon enough. We're going to be so doing excited. our
1: annual – I think this will be our third annual NBA draft special episode where we have our live reactions as the draft is ongoing, um, which will be a lot of fun. I think it's third annual because we did the Ja Morant draft with Brandon Clark when we traded up there last year was the Bain draft when we traded up. And then this year, yeah, we traded up again. We've, we traded up in three drafts. Um, the very, very last thing, Ty, that we can do on this emergency pod. Let's just talk about now what the Grizzlies do in terms of rotation, moving forward with Steven Adams. Like, do you see Adams? um, basically they can go one of two ways. And I think the, Biggest question facing the Memphis Grizzlies moving forward is, is Jaron Jackson Jr. your four or your five?
0: So I think this still keeps Jaron at the five alive, but I don't think it starts out that way. Right. I think this season is very much going to look like two years ago. When Jonas started at the 5, Jaron started at the 4, but there were a lot of games, especially towards the back half of the season, where the last 8 minutes, Jonas just didn't play. Jaron closed the game at the 5. I think that this gives us, people love to talk about versatility in the backcourt. I think this gives us versatility in the frontcourt, which I think can be just as important. We have a, we can go a 5 with Jaron that completely looks differently than it does with a 5 with Steven Adams. I think Steven Adams definitely has value playing, you know, 18 to 22 minutes a night, depending on the matchup. See where we can go from there. He is a amazing rebounder, so we don't lose that, right? So people love to talk about how Jaron can't rebound. We have an elite rebounder. We lost one, and we gained one. So basically the net, net is zero on that one. Comparing him to Jonas a little bit more, um, he's not as good – just offensively, just throw the ball to him on the block and let him go get a bucket. I wouldn't say Jonas was amazing at that, even though he we used him that way a lot. Jonas Jaw pick and roll actually developed into like a really good asset, a really good part of our offense. So I'm curious to see what the Stephen Adams Jaw looks like. But I do know when Jaw comes off a pick, whoever is trying to keep up with Jaw, they're gonna they're gonna feel it. Because Steven Adams is a block.
1: Yes, similar to Jonas in that respect, but yes. maybe very even... Yes, very similar
0: players. Yes. Um, very, very similar players. Yep. You would think that maybe Steven Adams is a little better defensively, and you would think maybe Jonas is better offensively. I'm not really sure on all that, but they're very, very similar players. They're
1: both very lumbering yes, on defense. Yes, they're
0: great rebounders, probably decent rim, protector- rim protectors, great screeners, and... Don't ask to do too much. You don't have to ask them. They're not going to demand too much, but you can use them situationally to really help you. So I think Steven Adams is going to start. I could very much see him not closing a lot of games, though.
1: I really hope that Jaron can play the five for us. I think if he could somehow stay on the floor and uh, work to the point to get his body in a position to be able to guard these um, these centers around the league that, you know, not a lot of people can guard Jokic, not a lot of people can guard Embiid, but if he can guard the rest of the um, the centers in the league effectively, while also not taking away from his offensive game and upside, I mean, I think that's like the high ceiling for the Grizzlies. But at the same time, I definitely don't think he's ready. And I I, I think we got a pretty comparable player as Jonas. Same.
0: So one, so I asked this. Men will talked um, before we potted one question and i want y'all the grizz nation out there all of our listeners just all, all just so many of them do you think we are better after this trade than we were before this trade and we probably won't know until we make the selection at 10 but taking into consideration that the value of pick 10 is probably better than pick 17 looking at what we gave up looking at what we received what do you think are we better now than what we were before the trade? It's a great question, and we're going to leave you guys with that. You're not going to answer.
1: You're I, not going to throw
0: out a feeler like, "This is what I think," or "This is."
1: I tend to think that we are. Brantley
0: would give such a take right a now. shade below <laughs> what we were. Okay, a little bit worse. You think?
1: I think that you are giving up a an extremely, extremely good scorer in Jonas. And I think that Adams is not quite as durable. Uh and so you're gonna see I think a lot of times where we're not going to have the crutch that was Jonas. And I think that that's the thing for me is this team is not going to be better in the near term, but in in the long term I think it's if it forces Jaron to actually step up in more ways than he had. And he does that successfully. That means this team ceiling is higher. Yeah. And that's what my expectation is, is we're not, it's not going to be the exact same team. It's very comparable. And I don't think that we're not talking about 15 win, win difference here. I think we're talking about like a four or five win difference. Right. So yeah, that's my
0: take. And if Jared this I didn't, this probably isn't true, but this is a thought I had. Does this like, in some way, put more emphasis on Jaren, like what our front office and what our team thinks of Jaren moving forward. Is like, no, Jaren's our guy. Like, he's going to be the guy. We just need someone to help him in his weaknesses for the short term. And Steven Adams will be really good at that. But Jaren's like the guy. And I also, I know, like, Bill Simmons, me and Will joked about this, that his like trade ideas are just like really falling off a cliff. And he mentioned, like, what would it look like if Memphis packaged Jaren and pick 10 to get up to like four? Or whatnot, like I don't, I don't really think we're gonna do that at this point. Though, like, I guess it wouldn't shock. I, uh, yeah, actually, it would shock me. It would shock me if Jaron is involved in any kind of trade. Um, but I, I, say that our front office is locked into him and watch us do something like that. But I, to me, this show this this points to us basically being like Jaron. You're like, you're the guy. We're just gonna get someone that can help you in your weaknesses. But we're definitely not gonna get someone that can like take your spot or like play your role on our team. And after the
1: draft, you know, the next shoe to drop is going to be that extension if it happens or not. And that's what we're really going to be watching for because that's going to show whether or not they believe already that he is that or they want him to go out and prove it. Yep. So, well, um, guys, thanks for joining us for this emergency pod reaction. There's a lot to digest and I'm sure we missed some things that some implication of this trade. So, um, sorry if that happened, but we are literally reacting in the moment crazy crazy trade and we will talk to you guys in a few days all righty we teased it at the top brantley was driving while ty and i were um... i was a teaser
2: man yeah I yeah we really made it in the podcast world well
1: it was more so like we don't know whether or not <laughs> brantley will be able to join us However, okay, okay, let's okay. hope so. <laughs> let's go. And so he's here, Brantley. Um, I'll ask the same question that I asked Ty at the very start of the podcast. When the tweet came through from Woj, what was your first reaction?
2: I'm gonna be honest. I was sort of sad. Yep. I I I mean, I love JV. Like he has my sneaky favorite. You know. Uh, T shirt, the yellow Jonas Balanchunas. Mm. This basketball is fun to play. A little shameless plug go buy the JV shirt. Remember the days of Valanciunas being on the team. He filled the void with the Mark Gasol trade of like this massive white center who, <laughs> honestly, at times, like I, I talk, talked about how he was like the better version. He was just like this bruiser person and i just he just was strong and i love just yelling jaeger and flexing like i thought about all those the moments last year when he just like took over games and was just like he just reminded me of like the russian guy from uh street fighter you know like the big russian street fighter guy i wish i could remember his name but that's just like who i just continued to like analogize him to and uh, I was sort of sad. I mean, I really was. Yeah, I what? mean,
1: the other the uh, there's good news and bad news here. The good news is we got another big white center in the deal. That <laughs> is from Australia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and <laughs> the bad news is that Jonas is quite simply a national treasure, or should he, we say God. a local treasure? Because he nationally, maybe underrated. However, he was a guy, um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but, I mean, he he at times was the option on offense, the number one option. And yeah. that is what you're going to be giving up here in this trade is an offensive force at times that was took advantage of just about every matchup that he played that wasn't against, you know, the top, three or four centers in the game. And so he was able to just... I mean, he was a 20 and and 12 every night. Mm. And, and that's a really yeah. important piece in a team like the Grizzlies, who from time to time, as a youthful bunch, had their issues on offense with inconsistency. And consistency was exactly what JV brought.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'll just... I mean, you know, we we didn't really. I was trying to think back to this. I don't really remember how much we focused on breaking him down in some of our podcasts, like on the record. I know that in terms of playoff performance, you know, he was he was pretty big in the playing game, but not big uh, uh, in the actual series uh, against the right. Jazz. Rudy Gobert, uh, if any just he it's just tough. you know he really looks limited in that series you know enough to where you know some of us are kind of like man i don't really know like we the long-term trajectory of of Jonas was you sort of saw how where it wasn't necessarily a long-term fit and so here's can i make a take though that i'm, I'm i may come come down to just um this is an immediate reaction take. So I may not love it. Cause I haven't put much thought into it. That's what podcasts are for. I don't know if we're really losing that much between Jonas and Steven Adams and the way that we use Jonas. Yep. Like, I, I think it's an equal trade. And I, I, I sort of question why new Orleans wanted him over versus some of the other options that we were talking about in the trade. Meaning like, I'm not really, sh- I don't, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I think we'll play the same when Steven Adams is in the game, and he's used to playing with a dynamic point guard um, like Ja. Um, I think he could fit in nicely whenever we need him if we decide to keep it. Whereas at New Orleans' end, I think, he, I think Jonas is going to be sort of similar to what they were getting out of Steven Adams, which is a player that didn't necessarily fit with their ecosystem.
1: Yeah. No, that's a that's a great point. I think that there's definitely limitations to his like self creation, but he can do a lot of the same things that Jonas did for us in terms of second chance points, really controlling the boards, setting incredible picks for Jaw, like all the little things that you need a a center that isn't necessarily one of these like stretch fives, like one of the more classic centers, mm-hmm. like yeah, I mean, yeah. I think with the little things, it's not going to be dropping off a whole bunch.
2: Um, yeah, I, I, I love all those points on, uh, that you're talking about with with Adams, and I mean, again, we in two weeks we may have gotten off of him somehow. Uh, who knows? I, I sort of, you know, like the idea of <clears throat> keeping him just to like kind of be a, a bruiser in need, but you know, we t- the thing that I want to maybe jump to we'd sort of, I really want to think big picture here. And and I think it's sort of interesting to compare the franchises of New Orleans and, and Memphis here with what's happening. And it's sort of surprising to me that these two teams would make a trade based on where, you know, similar aspirations as a small market team. But the difference being is that I think what you're seeing is how much further ahead in the timeline new orleans feels that they are versus where we are and we were able to take advantage of that with getting some trade assets back and not giving up too much is that fair
1: oh yeah no dude we actually said something very similar earlier and i think it it stands to reason that what what New Orleans is doing and it's been reported is opening up as much cap space as they can to get somebody like Kyle Lowry and Kyle Lowry is not a guy that you bring in unless you're ready to start winning now. Part of the reason why is because he is in his mid thirties and I mean, you're, you're, we compared jaw and Zion, obviously since they were in the same draft, but yeah, no, we're on the completely the same page
2: as you. Yeah, and I just, I mean, man, if I'm a New Orleans fan, pushing in the chips now, it it sort of seems desperate. It's panicky. Now, it, like, I understand wanting to be able to keep Lonzo and having that flexibility, even if you don't see him as a long-term fit. Like, I do believe in the, like, you should keep that asset and use him for later type thing. But going using all this space just to go get Lowry and try to make a run, I mean, seems to just only potentially satisfy your stars as like a little short-term thing. And I'm just, I guess, I'm just excited to not be in that position. I mean, this just sort of feels like a different type of desperation, Chris Wallace type move that I'm just so glad we're not in that position.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the the counter would only be that. Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe were bad money, no matter who the team is. And so it's like, if you can get off bad money, regardless of what your next moves are, I, I don't, yeah, think, but it's, it's bad I don't money think it's that, regardless. It's bad, but... it's
2: bad money that David Griffin made last exactly. year. Exactly. Yep.
1: Yep. Agreed.
2: It's, that's, a, that's a total Chris Wallace move.
1: Yeah, it is. And then having to pay to take that money off so that you can, and then you give up a potential at a top 10 pick. Yeah. Agreed.
2: So, and and the reason I I don't want to like hate on New Orleans because thank you for the deal. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, I think it's going to set us up to maybe even have maybe some more drama over the next (laughs) couple of days. Definitely. So, you know, just be ready for the random emergency pods. But one of the things that I think that this is really setting up was a lot of stuff that we've been talking about. Consolidation of assets and getting players that you know can be long-term starter slash rotation fits in a deep playoff run type scenario. And that, to me, this signals two things. I think it means that the front office knows what they've got in some players and who are long-term fits and ones that that aren't. And they've got to go find some others to fit to help us make deeper runs in the future. And and, and then sort of the sub-component to that second point is that they think they know some, a couple of guys, they have a couple of options in that top 10 range or top 7 range that could really move the needle for us, and they're willing to go make it happen.
1: Yeah, I agree. And there's been some reporting that we covered pretty extensively earlier about who those players might be. Um, mm, yeah. The other thing I want to mention here, too, is – on your new Orleans versus Memphis point, the impact that your stars contentment has on what your franchise does. And I want to ask you this, how long do you think we can continue in this asset accumulation phase in order for John Morant to stay on board? I mean, that's a big
2: question. Yeah. So here's, I think that this is where we're different than New Orleans is that we've for all practical purposes made the playoffs ish two years in a row. You know, we've improved each year. Right. We've said, you know, year one of job, we made the playing game, bubble was a, it was a weird year, but we still put ourselves in that position this past year. We we made the playoffs, won a game, you know, had the playing game, had all that momentum you know you would hope that the team this year could make maybe take a step forward and to me like the other component of this JB trade is signaling to Ja and Triple J the new player we get Dylan Brooks it's like this is your team go get us to where you want to go mm-hmm. it's not about anybody else anymore and and even and getting this next player the 7 to 10 player if that's kind of in the range we might draft another wing type guy who y'all previously outlined? This is saying, This is your next core player. We think this is what you need. I'm assuming that they probably even talked about it, like the type of person that they that they want to play next to in, in a fit. I I don't think we're on the same um, like sort of ticking time bomb type scenario that New Orleans is on, and I don't necessarily know if that's exactly what's happening there. I, but I don't feel that pressure. Like I could I could see us. Maybe next year, like, I mean, JV's a hit. I mean, that's you, the, his, he averaged a double double. He was a, um, a senior player with experience in big games. And now all of a sudden, depending on what else we do from like a senior leadership perspective, you're really just faced Kyle Anderson is now your, your senior leader on the team, regardless of your stars and so, and and I mean, maybe Stephen Adams and Bledsoe step into that role if they're on the team. Probably but Adams more than
1: Bledsoe.
2: Yeah, pl- probably. But at the same time, I don't think that you go make that trade with New Orleans and say we need, we want Adams' bet leadership to step in here. I mean, maybe he does help out some, and I, he's he seems like he could bring that experience too, because he we know Memphis knows all too well about his playoff run uh, runs and his experience. But this this is. To me, signaling it's it's time for those young guys to step up. It's their team. It's and and so I, my now could we miss the playoffs two years in a row and then I would start feeling pressure. Absolutely. Does that mean that that um, I'm I'm just like worried about uh, these moves and just missing some and it signaling some like malcontentment? No. But to me, this I, I really think that this is. This is put if I'm John Morant, and I'm sure that they're saying it's him like this these are moves that we're making to build around you to maximize our window and the team around you so that when some scenario happens where we make a deep run, that we're ready to maybe capitalize on it, like what happened this year with Phoenix and Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think the the finals really showed how at the at the end of the day, Things happen during a season, whether that be injuries, whether that be trades or agendas of stars that just change, that can completely shift right. uh, uh, the trajectory of a team in any given year. And I think that um, we can talk about when we get – we're definitely in, in the weeds of the draft in the free agency season right now, but when we take a step back and actually think about that Milwaukee finals win and just its impact on on – showing how stars that stay can still win. I think that's really an encouraging aspect, but I think that's a great point. I mean, um, it, it shows too, just how impactful a, um, a core that is kept together and mm-hmm. then is built around can have as well. Cause Phoenix were, were those two kind of cores that you bring in one extra piece in a season. um, to change everything for you and so yeah that's huge and I, I kind of I tend to agree I think it's going to be I don't think this year necessarily is their priority yet again it's just not about the current for them in the, and by them I mean the front office it just has continued to be about the future and we haven't we're, we're still gathering chips yeah and how we cash them in you know that'll be we'll we'll see. But right now what we're doing is we seem to be, you know, cashing in a few of these chips over here for more over here. And that's so, right. Yeah.
2: And that's what I was, I, I mean, you were sending us some tweets, you know, while I was driving, I wasn't reading them. I was just glancing at them. Uh, uh, don't text and drive. <laughs> <laughs> As my friend Dexter McCluster once said, if you want to stay if alive, stay alive. Yeah. Um, I, i was looking at the picks that we've accumulated you know that are in the first round i think was it was at like around six or options if so like in the future is that what it is it's or was uh that...
1: six in the next three drafts i believe including our okay own.
2: that can you that just that just seems like fake news to me like that the memphis grizzlies are. i mean in six like compared to oklahoma city seems like a, a, you know just dropping the bucket but like we're not where Oklahoma City is even. We've got real talent. You know, those, those six, we can make a couple moves. And that's what, like, I just feel like when I was thinking about this, and based on the contract details here of Bledsoe and Adams, and again, more stuff could change. We may change the tone here, but it feels like we're we're really just kind of taking on a very little amount of risk to take a big shot at something. Is that true to you, based on looking at the details of the salaries? Let's just say Bledsoe and Adams stay on board. Like, what's what's the impact really to the to the financials?
1: The impact is that next year you have Stephen Adams's like seventeen slash or eighteen ish million on the books, whereas for Jonas, that would have been he would have been an unrestricted free agent after this next season coming up. So you're you're basically cutting eighteen million from your cap space in not this or in the next off season Bledsoe only has a partial guarantee after this year. And at this at the end of the day, you still I mean, we're still right at the cap with this Yeah, so we're not we're not in a bad spot per se. It's very similar to the Justice move where we kind of took on some dead money only 1 year right. out for a potential, you know, ceiling raising move. So it's a very comparable deal to the Justice move in a lot of ways, honestly.
2: It's a, so that's a great. It's a so that that helps for Grizz fans from a context perspective. We're basically we're willing to take on 18 million more of. Pay, we paid 18 million dollars essentially uh, for the right to to move up seven spots in the draft, which I think sets us up even to to even maybe move up and be in a position to move up even more with the other rumored potential franchises that are looking to, uh, to get rid of that pick to to be able to make moves in a different way. And maybe we just get 10 and that's fine. Like, I think that there could be a lot of guys on the board at 10 that wouldn't have been there at 17 that help us um, in this draft. And so, and y'all and y'all have talked about it already. So, I mean, that just is another good signal for Grizzlies. It's like, Hey, look, we may not be able to win in certain ways in terms of getting players, but here's one way that we're able to win. And like, I mean, look, the, Stephen, the way that the league is moving, Stephen Adams, the Blounto contract, he that's, it just feels like that one's going to be hard to move to me without us taking on more dead money, just based on where he was. Unless if he comes and plays with us, you know, he plays underneath Taylor Jenkins, who he's played with, who he, you know, was played under before. Jenkins coached him at Milwaukee. There's familiar There's familiarity there. What if he plays his way in? To being a, an awesome backup point guard defensive you know person in a better system you know he might get moved midway through the season in a crazy scenario we're able to take advantage of that again that that seems maybe far-fetched steven adams on the other hand i know his i know his that 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 salary is 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 tough and could be tough however centers right now are are sort of needed like you like based on um what happens in next year's season for the players, you know, it's not like we're playing in a in an NBA where centers aren't dominating the league. So all of a sudden you might – there could be a team that, like, you know, like Boston this past year who they start playing hot and need to make a deep run, and all of a sudden they're looking to to add in a player like Adams to help b- bolster what they can do. So I know it's a little rambly – um, and JB was the same way, and so to like we talked about that some with during the the trade deadline, and I don't think that's that far fetched.
1: I think these are all fantastic points, and um, there's just so many angles to this deal that just got done. And what one of the things that we said, and I'll kind of wrap it up here, is just that you know for both of these teams, it's not a trade that you immediately see what the full results are in Mm, just today. Both of these will heavily depend on the moves that are made uh, according to what space you made or picks you acquired. So for the Grizzlies, that's who are they going to pick with 10, and for the Mm -hmm. Pelicans, that's who are they going to acquire with this newfound cap space. And so we'll be able to fully judge the trade down the line it's hard to declare a full winner right now but at the same time um even with the loss which is great even works for both right with the loss of jv it is even with the loss of jv to have a shot at a top 10 player in a loaded draft is something that not a lot of teams will have so
2: that's exactly right yep Great well, point.
1: Brantley, thanks so much for jumping on. And, and yeah, any final thoughts before we, we uh, finish this emergency part out?
2: I don't think so. Go Grizz. I'm sure all of this will be irrelevant tomorrow at noon. I know, right. Um, but So give it a listen before then.
1: Absolutely. All right, man. Well, we'll talk soon and we'll jump on again if anything happens tomorrow. So <laughs> you might be hearing a lot of us this week, guys. And if, you, if nothing does happen between now and then, um, or if it's minor, we will be talking to you at our annual nba draft live reaction pod so we'll talk to you then thanks so
2: much brantley thanks dude